Father, we ask that you would uh, take Psalm 29 and plant it deep within our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would empower us to obey the prescription of Psalm 29-2. Lord, I pray that, God, you will bless this time together and glorify your name. I pray, Father, that your people will be filled with peace and will be filled with strength. God's strength and peace that is outside of ourselves, Lord, that which comes from you and you only. Lord, I pray that, God, you help us to see tonight what the Spirit is saying to the church in Valdosta. God, it is in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, it feels a little strange um, not saying open to the book of Revelation tonight, and it was even weirder to do that two Sunday mornings in a row. But tonight, take your Bible and open it to the 29th Psalm. And I would invite you for the reading of God's Word, to stand for the reading of God's Word. Um, we will be um, nestling in verses 1 and 2, primarily verse 2, but I want to read this psalm in its entirety. This is of David, and he writes, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. This is the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thunderstorms, especially severe thunderstorms, can be a scary thing in, in Alabama. Um, certain uh, variables come together and we know how easily those storms can become tornadic. Um, it's a real threat here. And, and of course, we've seen uh, the devastation that uh, such storms can bring here. Um, now, for me personally, Electrical storms are, are terrifying <laughs> at times. Um, I knew a man that was struck and killed uh, 
by lightning out at Lakeview Country Club in, in Greensboro when I was a small child. And I'm telling you, that, that's put a fear inside of me then of, of lightning. Um, I can remember uh, once, this was several years ago, back when I lived out in Cherokee, I used to get up uh, four four thirty in the morning, and I would go on these long you know seven mile runs and um, the sun wasn 't up, and I had probably got about three miles outside of Cherokee on uh, North Pike had gotten out past the elementary school, and all of a sudden there was this strike of lightning across the sky and a clap of thunder. I made an about face and sprinted back. I thought I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, but they, 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 they terrify me. Um, why am I talking about thunder? Why am I talking about lightning? Why would I mention tornadoes? Well, it was a thunderstorm that seems to have been the setting for David as he penned Psalm 29. Um, perhaps David walked out on his balcony one evening and looked out across the northern sky and saw this dark cloud coming in and there were loud blasts of thunder that would reverberate across the country sky. Perhaps it put his people on edge. Maybe it even put him on edge. And uh, perhaps David was uneasy. Um, David needed to be at peace in this storm. And I promise you, God wanted him at peace in a storm like that. So I believe that, that God uh, opened the eyes of David while he was perhaps in the midst of this storm so that he could see the majesty and the glory of God that was cascading across the horizon in that electrical storm. Perhaps that was what was going on. Um, we see how in verses 3 through 10, how he began to talk about the thunder and he began to talk about the lightning. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that is what was going on. So what was David doing? Well, in the midst of a thunderstorm, he was ascribing glory to God. Um, the storm was a a testimony of the power and the majesty and the sovereignty of God. And David saw that. David began to worship the Lord and the splendor of His holiness. David began to pen this psalm, which was a, was a song unto the Lord to be sung. And so that was what he was experiencing there. Ascribing to the Lord the sovereign glory that is to do His name. Church, um, the church today, when I, when I say church, I mean church at large. The church at large today, especially in America, needs to heed and practice the theme of Psalm 29. In a world in which people are all about themselves, we, the church, need to be all about our God. We need to be all about practicing what David is doing here. We need to be all about ascribing the glory, the God-centered glory that is due His name. We need to move as far from the east as from the west 
at ascribing glory to programs, at ascribing glory to churches, at ascribing glory to preachers and preaching personalities or youth pastors or ascribing glory to worship leaders. We need to move away from chasing the glory of our own name and draw attention to His fame. We need to move away from worship that is about our likes and our dislikes. And we need, hear this please, we need to stop measuring the worth of a service by the false measuring rod of personal satisfaction. You will never, never experience all that worship is about. You know, you hear people make the comment, well now, I didn't get anything out of that song. Bless you. Well now, I didn't get anything out of that sermon. Well, guess what? Newsflash. I understand there's some songs that don't declare the glory of God. I understand that. I understand there are sermons that don't declare the glory of God or preach or echo the truth. But there are many that are. And sometimes I find that in our culture, the more God-centered and the more biblical the preaching and the more biblical the songs, the less interested people who are all about themselves are in them. But we need... Oh my goodness, we, 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 we need to see, we need to see that our services are not, our worship gatherings are not about what we can get out of them. This is not, I mean, you know, church isn't about having it your own way. It's not a, a Burger King gathering, even though Burger King, I don't even think they say that anymore, have it your own way or, or whatever. But um, it's not about that. It's not about being user-friendly. It's not about the felt needs of people. It's not about your interest or your likes. It is about the glory of God. And if we don't come with that right God-centered attitude, we will never leave church having our deepest needs met. We will always be confused. We will always be dissatisfied. We will always be complaining always lacking abundant joy and more than that and perhaps worst of all we might as well go to a Buddhist temple or a, or a Shinto shrine or a Hindu holy place and sing Amazing Grace and sing the songs and hymns that we sing because it'll be about us of much value when we're not singing it in a way that ascribes glory to God you hearing me? That's serious. David learned whether he was in a storm or a battle or sitting outside sipping sweet tea on a sunny day that he was to ascribe glory. All that he was, all that he will be must be about ascribing glory to God. Must be conforming to the prescription of verse 2. Ascribing to the Lord the glory do his name. That is verse 2 is the theme and the thesis of Psalm 29. It is the hallmark of all true Christianity. Ascribing to the Lord the glory due 
His name. Church, this must be our life mantra. This must be what we are about. Ascribing to Yahweh the glory due His name. We must be about making His name great. We must be about making much of Him. We must be about making Him famous in a world that is without faith in Christ. That's what we must be about. Now, tonight, all I want to do is really interrogate verse 2. I want to ask some questions of that, since that is the theme and the thesis of this song. Since that is the essence of what I pray God plants in our heart. That ascribing of glory to the Lord, the glory that is due His name. So I have about four questions that I would ask of that verse. And the first one is, what is this glory we are to ascribe to the Lord? What is this glory that we are to ascribe to the Lord? Well, the original meaning of glory has to do with weightiness has to do with weightiness. The the glory of God, when we speak of the glory of God, we, 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 we are summarizing the totality of who God is. We are, we are summarizing the seriousness. We're summarizing the perfection. We are summarizing the infinite significance of all the attributes of God. It sums up the essence of His nature. It sums up the awesome brightness and weightiness of all the perfections of God. That is the glory of God. That is the glory of God. You see this illustrated in the life of Moses. In Exodus 33 and verse 18, you remember how Moses pleaded with the Lord. He said, please show me your glory. Now, we know that God did not show Moses his total glory, but that God gave him a, per- a partial glimpse of his glory. Um, we know that from Exodus 34. Um, he told Moses, you cannot see my face and live, but I will proclaim to you my name. My name, my character, I will proclaim to you Yahweh and I will make my goodness pass before you. In Exodus 34 and verse 6, we have a record of this event. Let me read to you verse 6 of Exodus 34. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. And so here we see a partial glimpse of His glory, uh, just a sampling of His holy attributes, mercy, grace, faithfulness, love, justice, holiness, wrapped up in that encounter that Moses had with God. 
He saw, had a glimpse, a partial glimpse of his glory. So that is what the glory of God that we're called to ascribe to him is. It is the weightiness of his character, the weightiness of his personality, the greatness of who he is. That is his glory. It is his essence. Question number two then. If that is what the glory of God is, what then does it mean to ascribe, to ascribe, excuse me, to ascribe glory to the Lord? Well, some of your Bible translations, if you read in in verse 2, it translates the Hebrew term Yahab as give. Well, it can be translated that way, I suppose, but for me, that is contextually confusing. It's a little, I don't, I don't like the way that sounds because it leaves the impression that you can give to the weightiness of who God already is. And so the English term ascribe, in my opinion, is a better translation. It's better in my estimation. It also reflects what I think is the true meaning being communicated with Yahab. And so it implies the attributing and the accrediting and the drawing attention to God's glory. It is what it is to ascribe something unto the Lord is to make much of God. It is to make much of who He is. It is to throw the light. It's not really giving. You're not adding anything to God. You can't add anything to God. You can't add anything to God. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. He is all, He is the I Am. He is all of who He is in His sovereign, ruling glory. And we have nothing to add to Him. We have nothing to offer to Him. Let me say that again. You have nothing to offer to God. Well, that doesn't stroke an ego, does it? (laughs) You can't. He is God. He is sufficient within himself. So, to ascribe glory to God is not... It it needs to consume and define that ascribing glory to it. It needs to affect all of who we are all of our witness, and we, we, we urgently, I think, need to recapture the centrality of glorifying God in all of our life and in our work, especially and certainly and mostly in our worship because that will bleed over into our life and to our work. That we're a people that are doing and practicing verse number two. Instead, what do we do though? We have a tendency to make much of ourselves. We have a tendency to make much of our wants. We have a tendency to make much of our likes and our dislikes. All at the expense of His great name. And that is sad. There is an international missionary who... I cannot tell you their name. They must remain nameless for security reasons... Um, but 
They said this about the lack of obsession with God's glory in American churches. And I will quote him. He says, Too much of what passes for evangelical Christianity in America is man-centered, even self-centered. God is reduced to a means to some other end, whether it be my own self-fulfillment or the welfare of others. The results are disastrous for worship, for discipleship, and for witness. Worship either becomes tepid or it becomes a, an, an experience we offer to people as a sort of consumer product rather than adoration and consecration that we offer to God. Discipleship becomes a self-help program that leaves huge areas of life untouched rather than a lifelong love affair with God that lays every area of life on the altar to be consecrated to Him and to be conformed to His image. Witness becomes an invitation to sample a product rather than a royal summons to flee to a sovereign Savior. In effect, we reduce the good news to mere good advice. End quote. And that is so alarmingly true of a lot of what masquerades as Christianity in America. And that bothers me. I don't want us at Valdosta to be drawn into the trap, the self-obsessed trap of the predominant American form of Christianity, which is not necessarily Bible, biblical in its, in its essence. Um, I pray that everything we think and everything we do would ascribe glory to the name of the Lord. So we've asked what is this glory that we are to ascribe to the Lord. We have asked what it means to ascribe that glory to the Lord. Now question number three, why? Why do we ascribe glory to the Lord? And I would give you three reasons. They're not going to pop up there on the screen. But there are three reasons why. It is His due. It is our delight and it is for the divulgence of His great name. Now let me explain to you what I mean by those three. It is His due. Okay, it is His due. We ascribe to Him the glory. The text says, due His name. Verse 2. Um, you see, when we're given a glimpse of God's glory, then when we see it, we have to ascribe it. We have to throw the light on who God is. Um, it's our due. In other words, we owe it to God to make much of Him. When Moses was given a glimpse of the glory of God, he owed it to God to make much of His glory. 
When you and I, for example, when we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses, and God opened our blind eyes to see the irresistible beauty of Jesus Christ, to see the irresistible beauty of the glory of the Son of God, the glory of the Son that was from the Father full of grace and truth, when we beheld that glory and when we were made alive and we became children of the Most High, children whom John writes that were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. When we had that experience from that day forward, we owe Him, we owe Him to make much of His sovereign grace and His sovereign mercy and the salvation that we have by His grace in Christ Jesus. We must. Why wouldn't we? It is due His name. But that which is due Him is not... You know, sometimes we have to do something with, with the word due. It seems so, ah, oh, this is something i got to do. i got to pay my dues. No, with this it's different. When, when, when we are giving God His due, it is actually our delight. It is our great delight. It is our pleasure to do so. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 16 and verse 11? It says, At His right hand, at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. You hear that? <laughs> oh, listen, the religious Pharisee don't get that. God's not a pleasure. God is a is a is a mean demeaning judge and that's all they know cuz they don't know it but the redeemer but the savior the righteous advocate in him there are pleasures forevermore knowing him is pleasing and it is a delight. And to declare the glory of who He is is a delight and a pleasure to our soul. It is a satisfaction in Him that is beyond human words. Not only is it, is it a pleasure, but it's our delight because as we ascribe glory to His name, it expands our peace. I'm not talking about peace with God. We have peace with God through the blood of Christ. But the peace of God that we must walk in day to day, it enlarges it. It enlarges it. It enlarges our strength in the things that we face. At the conclusion of Psalm 29, in verse 11, a blessing is pronounced. In the beginning, he's telling us to ascribe glory to the Lord, the glory do His name. At the ending of that psalm, there's a blessing pronounced. He says, may the Lord strengthen His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. So it is our delight to ascribe glory to God because it is the practical means through which we experience strength and peace. Not peace with God, as I said, but the peace of God. 
And verse 2 is essentially a command. And verse 11 is the blessing I would suggest to you for obeying that command. A command that is not a burden, but is a delight. Because the more you ascribe glory to Him, the more you become obsessed with the greatness of who He is, the more you take joy in Him, the more you enjoy Him, all of the hard stuff in life have less and less of a discombobulating effect on you. You hear me? The less you are shaken by those things because you're captivated by the center of everything. God, Yahweh. Wow. So ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. It is His due. It is our delight. But now also, as we ascribe, as the church, the true church, as we ascribe the glory that is due His name, it divulges His name among the masses. It divulges His great name. This is, I would suggest to you, the true purpose in ascribing glory to God, it is to divulge His great name to a world that is blinded to the truth of Jesus Christ. So we owe it to God to make His name great. We benefit from making His name great. But ultimately, as we do what we owe and we benefit from what we do, we ultimately spread the fame of His name. And that is what we are to be about. Making His name famous. Wow. Throwing the light on His name. This should be our single passion. Spreading a passion for Jesus Christ by being consumed with a passion for His glory. Our nameless missionary that I mentioned earlier, has a passion for His glory in world missions. And so should we. Again, he writes these words and I quote him. The goal of our task is that the earth be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. Our passion is to see Him receive the glory that is due His name from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Everything else is simply a means to that end. We're not seeking to add numbers that we can report to the organization. We're not seeking to add worshipers to the choir. No, we're seeking, we are seeking to add worshipers to the choir of heaven who will live every area of their lives to the praise of His glory. The focus invests a new holy seriousness to discipleship and the life of the church. We are not content unless His glory is proclaimed, reflected, upheld, and adored among the people to whom He has called us. The task is not about us. It is not even ultimately about the nations. It is about Him.
Oh, how we need a God-centered, God-entranced view of everything about us. That's who the church is to be. That's what the church is supposed to be about. The true church. The true church. Number four. Final question. How then do we ascribe glory to the Lord? Um, we, we've asked... What is this glory we're to ascribe? We've asked, what does it mean to ascribe that glory? We have asked the question about um, why do we ascribe this glory? Now, how do we do it? And when I ask that, you immediately want some pragmatic, practical principle with a one, two, three, and an ABC. That's so Americanized. <laughs> Let's be biblical. Okay, how do we do it? The primary means through which we ascribe glory to God is simply worship. You hear me? It's simply worship. Verse 2 follows the command to ascribe glory to God with what? With worshiping Him in the splendor of holiness. And what the text says, and that the flow of the logic, and that the flow of the truth there, isn't that what it says? I'll read verse 2 to you again. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And then what does David do? You know what he begins to do? He begins to worship the Lord. He begins to ascribe the glory due His name. The voice of the Lord is over the waters and the glory of God thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord does this. The voice of the Lord does that. The voice of the Lord gives birth. The voice of the Lord strips bare. He exalts God. Wow! He's worshiping Him. And worship is about throwing the spotlight on God. Why? Again, I remind you, as I said in the beginning, worship is not about you and your likes. Personal likes. It's not about your opinion and getting your opinion. And it's, it's about God. And if you don't agree with that, you don't, you don't agree with, 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 with Christianity. You're involved in some sort of self-made religion. But true Christianity is all about God. Period. Christ and exalting Him. Wow. You see, we're to... I don't have time to unpack what all that means, worshiping Him and the splendor of His holiness. I don't have time to do that, but, but understand, when, when you read the word worship in Scripture, please don't isolate it to just the times that we gather here. We're not under the Old Covenant. Worship isn't just about what happens at the temple or the tabernacle. Worship is bigger, okay? Worship is a lifestyle. 
It incorporates the corporate gathering, but it is beyond the corporate gathering too. Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, what does he say to us? He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so that should mean it affects not only your Lord's Day, but your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday and your Saturday. And then it all begins again on the Lord's Day. Right? I know I'm right whether you amen me or not. It's okay. Secondly, the command and the means play off each other. You ascribe glory to God through worship and you truly worship through ascribing glory to God. They, 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 you do, they bounce off of each other. Guys, I would say to the same. In order for us to be a people that are growing in the ascribing of glory to God, we need to be praying another thing that, that David wrote in another psalm when he said, Lord, give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. You see, what gets in our way of ascribing glory to God is our heart. It's a heart issue. And our hearts are all divided up. And we got a lot of things. We got some priorities that, you know, I've got to be there. But there are a lot of things, good things, bad things. But we need to be praying, God, give us an undivided heart, a heart that is singly devoted to you in your glory. We need to do that. I would ask that you do that, church. Pray like that. And I would say... To anyone that is lost, not necessarily amongst the chosen few tonight, but whoever hears this, whoever hears my voice, whoever hears this on some other platform, I would say to you, behold the Lord of glory. Behold it. It's, and you want me to tell you where you see the glory of God and where you come to know God? It is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Call upon Him. Call upon Him. Turn to Him. Tell Him that you want to know God and to be known by God. Because He is where the answer is. Look to Christ and Christ alone. Guys, let's pray again. Father, we... Lord know within ourselves how short we fall of, ascri of ascribing the glory that is due your name. Lord, I pray that you would help us gently and graciously grow to better do that.
Lord, I pray that, God, you would help us. You would, you would, you would enlarge our hearts for your glory. And give us that undivided heart, Lord. Lord, we can't do surgery on ourselves. But you, the great physician, can. And so, Lord, I ask you, I ask you, Lord, do this work in us. Do this work in us as a local church. But Father, everything we do, we do because we enjoy Your glory. That we would do it to the glory of Your name. And Father, I do pray I pray for those who, God, are blind. That their, their, their eyes are blinded to the glory of the gospel of Christ. They're blinded, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Lord, I pray that you'd remove those blinders. That, God, they would see the beauty of the bleeding Savior. And they would find Him to be their atoning sacrifice. They would find Him to have died for their sin and so be saved. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.